Blog Talk Radio. A Brit in California whose music makes you happy, but also makes you think. And a young man who proves that we are right when we say poetry is not dead, we just call it lyrics now. Laura Saggers and Zach Callison are here with us today. From Los Angeles, California, the music capital of the country, maybe the world, who knows? <laughs> it's Music Friday Live. I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan. This is your show. Our guests are here to talk with you. So call in 347-215-7511 or email us at musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And I need to uh, alter that a little bit because one of our guests is not here available for calls today, but just more about that in a minute. Welcome to our listeners on blogtalkradio.com on the cyberstationusa.com network and all their radio affiliates. Welcome also to our listeners who'll hear us tomorrow in England on the artistic net on the artistic echoes network in the UK and also everybody listening to us today on Stitcher and later on on iTunes. Okay. If you have questions or comments for our guests, don't forget our email address musicfridaylive at gmail.com and our second guest you can also reach by phone. If you are listening to Music Friday Live on a podcast or in England, you can still email your questions to our guests and we will forward them to them. Well, our first guest is Laura Saggers, and she's a British-born and raised L.A.-based singer-songwriter, guitarist. And just let me remind everybody that this conversation took place earlier this week, and it was not in the studio, so my voice may not have its usual sonorous quality. But no matter, she sounded great, and since it's pre-recorded, you can't call in. But here she is. This is Laura Saggers. When I saw Laura Saggers at a club in L.A. recently, I knew I had to have her on the show. She was so good and so entertaining. Well, we talked a bit after her set, and she gave me her new album, Chasing Dreams. Her songwriting blew me away, as did the loads of fun she had on stage. I was also interested in the fact that she's a transplant from the United Kingdom, where I lived and taught for four summers. She started learning classical piano at four and plays the guitar and the guitar. But no matter what she plays, her music just makes you happy. Laura, welcome to Music Friday Live. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good now. Uh, Laura, first, let me thank you for the limited edition CD that you gave me. I understand that you sat down and numbered all of them yourself by hand. It's a I wonderful. Did. Yes, you did, and I will. I will cherish it. It's a really wonderful gift. Thank you so much. Now you're more than welcome. I love it that you're now in my hometown, but I have read that you have said that even though L.A. bursts with opportunities, it's also riddled with lies and dishonesty and lacks a sense of purity. So from the point of view of a musician, what exactly does that mean? Did you learn some hard lessons when you moved here? Um, I, I hear this story all the time with people, uh, people that grew up here are lovely and they're they're so kind you just have to find them and the people most of the people that come here they're coming here for that big huge dream that everyone has and unless you are able to hustle like a beast you get very disappointed really quickly i do hustle so that's okay um and i'm i made it all work but people but there's so many people that are following that dream and they don't realize how hard it is they get very bitter really quickly and um once people once people get here for the first year, they're really excited. And then it's literally like after year four, if they haven't been able to achieve what they want, they get very, very, very bitter. And so you end up with a collection of people with 70% that really didn't make it. And everyone you're interacting with is kind of you, is only really the first question they are. It's kind of like when you go on like a date, I guess. They go, oh, what do you do? I, how much money do you make? These people go, uh, what do you do as in what can you do for me? And then I found it really disheartening. At first, it was okay, because that's what I came here to do, but I'm very much about community and family and friends, and so I started realizing that I was suffering with the fact that all my friends that I presume I was making were just industry contacts, and it it wasn't real friendship, and so I started reaching out to the community that was just LA, and actual people from LA, and realizing that's where my 
my heart needs to be because friends in an industry don't necessarily mean real friendship. And it takes a really long time to adjust to. Um, but I think it's most people that come over here for that opportunity. You are so determined to make it work that that's all you embody yourself with. And then a few years later, you realize that you've literally got nothing emotional to show for it apart from opportunities. So does that make sense? So it's good for that aspect, but it's really a lonely <laughs> journey if you're going to go full out. Well, I'm, I'm going to, I can't argue with you, even though this is my hometown, and I understand that. Um, but I do want to play a uh, one of your songs that kind of explores that uh, a little bit through your your lyrics, and this is "L.A. Dream." There you are, surfboard in hand, slick back hair and golden tan, eyes that sparkle with the sea. Take me to the shore of major peace with L.A. You sing in there that there's no place you would rather be, and now you even ride a big motorcycle so you can shortcut the traffic on the the 10 and the 405. Sounds like this is home now. Oh, I have found my community. I love L.A. now. It just took a long time, and I, I think that's whenever you move from something that you're really used to to something new, it's all exciting, but there's also like tons of things that are scary that you're not used to. So it's a massive journey, and I wouldn't have changed it at all. It was just, it is what it is. So, and I think every city is different. I just think that LA is particularly involved with the industry. So there's just a lot more people like this around. But you just have to really work hard at your career and also work hard at creating your own little community. And I have that now, and it's awesome. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to keep my eye out for you because we're both on the west side and we both drive the 10 and the 405, and you may be passing me when you're doing some lane splitting. So I'm just going to... Oh, you'll see me. I have pink pink ponytail sticking out of my helmet. Oh, okay. All right. Definitely. I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, you backpacked through South America when you were 19, and I understand that's where you got your first guitar. Did Latin America seep at all into your music? Maybe a little cumbia or bossa nova or banda in there? Oh, my God, I love Latin America. I don't know where you found that. You've done some good research. Oh, my goodness. Um, what a good reporter. Uh, yes, I love Latin America. Oh my! In England, when you have, you finish, uh, like, uh, graduate from high school, you finish, you're going to either go to get a job or go to college. But in England, you have this set up so you can take a year out if you really don't know what you're going to do. And a lot of people take that year out, go get like a waitressing job, save up for six months. And because England, everyone's desperate to get off the little island and go somewhere. Most people save up for six months and then go anywhere but England. Um, And so most of my friends just wanted to get drunk. So they would get all the way to Australia. And I wanted to go find some culture and something different and then like completely scare myself in a sense. And I wanted to go to a place where they didn't speak a word of English so I could find out what it was like to be in, you know, not in a country that spoke English and like just put myself there. I loved anything to do with that in America. So I went to um, Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, and Chile. Horrifying because I didn't know what I was doing, but it was an amazing journey. And I love the people. They're so kind and they're so excited to have you there. And there's just so, it's so different from what you're used to. I think everyone, if they have the opportunity, should try and put themselves in someone else's life. And I went for about four months traveling around, living with different people. I lived with a family for like 10 days to see how they live. It was really fascinating. And I think it kind of had a huge impact on me because ever since then I found a Latin man really attractive and now I'm engaged to one. So that happened. But did it influence your music at all? Um, well, I didn't think it did until I met the guy that I'm dating and he's introduced me to all this Latina music that I didn't even know existed, like banda and um, like bachata and I knew Southex, that's kind of really um, 
I'm generalized, but there's, I don't know if this particular album was influenced with the Latino music, but the next one most definitely will because I, I am so in love with it. The, the dances that they do and the music and the vibe, and it's all so happy. And it's just coming out of the sort of works now in the Western world. And uh, I think it's going to be huge, way bigger than it is right now. Well, of course, now you're in the second largest Spanish-speaking city in the world, so you have plenty of opportunity. It would only be, almost be stupid not to include it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, when I saw you play, uh, you really captivated me with your, your spirit as much as with your music. Um, you project a kind of brightness, sort of a glow from the stage. And at the same time, you're what you Brits call cheeky. You're, you're not afraid to poke <laughs> fun. Um, have you always done that? Yes. I grew up in a very sarcastic, yet loving environment. Um, and you have to learn how to use sarcasm really quickly. And when you're younger, you don't quite know how to use it, so it could be quite insulting. And then you learn how to, like, quaff your humor, so to speak, and you realize you don't insult other people. You insult yourself, and then some people laugh. And so that's what I do. And, yeah, I came off stage, and, I, and one of my friends was like, oh my God, you should, like, totally be a comedian. I was like, I, all I did was rip the shit out of myself. So, of course, if that's what you like, that's fantastic. Okay. Well, we're going to play um, uh, a song on the album that I think is kind of poking fun, but you're going to have to tell me. This is uh, 10,000 Bitcoin. Here it is. You wanted, yeah, the one with the rear-wheel drive You could teach me how to drift, I'd be so cool, no lie And I'll sit there by your side as you is up the freeway close to 155 If I had 10,000 bitcoins, I would take us on a tour Of all your favorite breweries up and down the coast and more And we'll sample all your favorite beer and sit out in the sun And slowly getting drunk all day, it's you and me Was your song, was your tongue firmly in your cheek when you wrote that song? I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I did that as a joke. I did that I did that song because Bitcoin had come out. And I was like, I found out about Bitcoin. I started investing in it just because I thought, I, I was, why not? It sounded so ridiculous. And, um, and I started researching and thought, actually, this is kind of a smart thing to do. And then I realized that every single person in the community was a man. I was like, this would be hilarious if I brought out, like, a, a girl dressed up in a ton of wigs. That's what the music video is. A girl singing about a love song. I thought, what, why not? And I wrote it in literally, I think, an hour. And then I messaged my video guy and said, should we do a really piss take type video? We did it. In, we did it. It's the, it's the cheapest video I've done. I've spent thousands on my videos. And this one, I think we spent about 63 $63? Hello? Hello? Hi, did, did I lose you? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I, no. I, I, I guess we're both so shocked. You spent about $63? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. We no expense spared on this one because we got, he managed to have a green cut, like a green, uh, what was it, a bed sheet that we managed to pin up with some sort of like hairpins. It wasn't yeah. ironed. It was awful. <laughs> I you, I chose some outfits from my students' like costume cupboard that I have. I whacked yeah. all these outfits together, and I was like, let's just put the camera on and film it. And it's got the most views on my on my YouTube, uh, all of them. And it's just been picked up by that Wall Street Journal and the LA Times. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is this is the most ridiculous video I've ever produced, and it's the one that's getting me famous. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Well, I love to happen. I know. Uh, let me remind our audience that we're talking with Laura Saggers, and this is a pre-recorded interview, so you can't call in. But if you want to email questions and don't ask her for any Bitcoin, we will forward those questions to her. All right. So just mail them to uh, musicfridaylive at gmail dot com. Well, I noticed that you made a point to write about that the proper way to make tea. And I assume that you're frequently offered badly made tea by Amer Americans. So what is your yeah. tea principle? Uh, how do you make tea? Okay, but number one rule on that one is don't whap it into a microwave. And I can't even believe that that's an option. I think I got given my first cup of, how I dare say, crap tea. And I could <laughs> see the foam on the top where the water had, like, 
some sort of murky. And it's like, oh, how did you, what is this? And they go, tea. I was like, mm, tea bag was still in the water. And, it, and I was like, but it's not even boiling water. It was just lukewarm. And they're like, we just put it in the microwave. It's like, it'll be fine. And I was like, oh, you microwave for tea? How could you? Oh, my God. That's like, it's almost like doing something nasty to the American flag. That's how, like, the level that it is. Like, it was, like, sacrilegious that you could do that. I was like, oh, my God, you please let me show you. And I was like, you, you boil the water, you put it into the cup, and you mug, by the way, not cup, and you put a tea bag in, take the tea bag out after three dunks, and then we put a little bit of milk in there. And I was like, there you go, you're good. And they're like, um, so. It's just different cultures, isn't it? Like, you don't know until you're, you're told. But please, everyone, stop microwaving your tea. <laughs> so so you're definitely a pour the tea, uh, pour the milk into the tea and not a tea into the milk person? It should always, well, it depends on see what type of uh, tea you've got. If you're using loose tea, which is like when you put it into, um, you have to have a tea strainer in order to get rid of the, when you pour the right. water into your mug, the tea doesn't fall in there as well. If you're using loose tea, which is like super posh and fancy, which no one really does on a regular basis because they need it, their quick fix every two hours, then you just use tea bags and then you can put the milk in whenever. But if you're going to use loose tea, you should put the milk in first and it should be in a warmed up mug that you've swirled the water around first, pulled it out, put the milk in, and then pour the tea in so that the milk doesn't affect the tea. It's, it's all the it's a chemistry. Well, but there you have it, <laughs> listeners. You now know the proper way to make tea, and you got it from a, a rock star. Um, and I should tell you, though, Laura, that I'm a builder's brew guy myself, so either way works for me, milk and tea or tea and milk. Uh, let's talk about the guitar. Um, you play the guitar as well as the piano and the guitar. Uh, the guitar, to me, is kind of a uh, an awkward instrument. At least you know, I've been at NAM and I picked them up and I've tried to sort of play around with them, and they seem like they're sort of awkward. Now, now, how did the guitar find you? I I used to be in a a heavy emo band back in England, and I used to be the singer for that band, and um, I wanted to bring piano into it because that was my go-to instrument, but I was not about to be stuck behind the keyboard standing still when I was literally running up and down, not screaming. I wouldn't say screaming, but, you know, I was in my youth, um, and I didn't want to get stuck behind a piano. So I came over to England, I mean, America, and I was like, oh, I'd love to stop, you know, bringing up the piano again, but I don't want to get stuck, and all the session musicians would just play these keyboards. And so I finally, I, this girl saw me, um, in a sort of like jazz band called the Toledo Show, which is in Santa Monica. You, have you heard of the Toledo Show in Santa Monica? It's amazing. Full Street every Sunday night to pack. It's crazy, and it's like jazz burlesque. And I, I asked, I told, I went up to him and said, "You need me in your band." He's like, looked me up and down. And went, "All right, girl, you can start." And I was like, "Oh, oh God, that worked! Oh my God, okay." And so I suddenly had to just turn up and learn how to play these songs. No sheet music, no nothing. And this one girl that played electric violin said, hey, I'm in an 80s band. You should audition. And so I went along to that. And the woman was like, um, you would really like it to have a guitar. And I was like, oh. And I rolled and just bought out this brand new guitar at that time. So I went and got one. I thought it was amazing. It made my life so much easier. And it's had super small handheld. This one's particularly light for me. I'm pretty short. And I was able to do my running up and down the stage again. I guess I put a, wire, a wireless guitar system into it, so I wasn't I wasn't connected at all. It was battery powered, which was incredible. So I was literally able to go anywhere I wanted. I went into the crowd. Um, I'd be wearing these big, huge tutus, and it was fantastic. And I fell in love with that. I went and had a photo shoot with that guitar. Sent it to Roland, and within an hour of me emailing it to them, they emailed back going, "You need to come in. We need to talk to you." I was like, "Ooh, that worked too!" Yay. <laughs> So well, then I got endorsed by them for that. So I love the guitar. It's so much fun. And that is a great story. Next, next time I'm at NAM, I'm going to pick up another one, and maybe it won't feel so awkward. Uh, you've also written about your love of children and how being with children can be kind of a refuge from the nastiness of the world. And you have a song about that, and it's actually my favorite song on the album. It's called uh, When the Sun Met the Moon, and we're going to play it right now.
I just like them. I just think what they're doing is amazing. And um, I just let them know that that's what we're doing. Like any of the money that goes, any, any, any money I make on the downloads for that song goes straight to them. And they just, they're doing, it's a free hospital for kids with cancer and who are sick. And I think in this particular situation where the country's at right now, there needs to be more hospitals that are offering that because I don't think any kid or anyone, but any kid that gets sick, anyone should have to worry about whether or not they can afford to make their kid healthy again. And that's how I love what they're doing. Good for you. Now, you have another video and song out that makes a statement, Oh, Lovely Night. Um, what prompted you to make, make that particular statement uh, that we're all the same? Um, oh, I don't want to get political. Um, I think there was a sort of movement, and I don't, I don't think it meant any... It was particularly, it was particularly around the time where the politics went a little bit crazy. But it's also... It, it, it was it is what happened, but it it also brought out something in people to realize that there is a lot more prejudice than we took that we realized, and it shook me because I'm in a a state in an area where you don't it's so there's so many Latinos, there's so many different cultures, there's so many like there's tons of Chinese people, there's Japanese everywhere you look, there's a different culture, so you don't realize. Um, how hard it is for other people who are in other states or other countries that don't interact with other people, then they it's easy for them to just get closed off from it. And then, therefore, there's sometimes a little bit of animosity towards someone else that's different from you. And I suddenly realized that we don't really have it in California because of how lucky we are. We have all the different cultures that we have. So when you step outside, you suddenly realize that people are at their lives, and it's very different. And so I was trying to connect with everyone. It doesn't matter who you are or what state you're in, because there was a lot of divide around that time of last uh, winter. Let's bring everyone together. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't realize what sex. It doesn't matter who you fancy, who you love. Providing you're giving love, that should be all that really matters. That should be the only thing that you are judging people on, is if they're, if they're kind and good people. Those are the only two things I can think of that are important. It doesn't matter what else you're doing. So... I wanted to do something. I love Christian songs. I love winter songs. But I also teach a lot of uh, students that are Jewish and a lot of other cultures that are out here. And I was like, how do we incorporate a song that everyone loves but include everybody in it? So we changed a few of the words so that they don't particularly um, pertain to one particular religion, but there's the moment and the significance of that song is still there so that everyone can still now enjoy the song for what it is because it's beautiful but we changed some of the words so it didn't, you know, alienate anyone in particular. So that was so what I, we were aiming for with that. I, I love it. I love the, the sentimentality, the, the sentiment in it, as well as sentimentality, too. Uh, we are getting a little tight on time, but there's a couple other things I, I really need to know. Do you still have the parrot? I don't. Oh. We had a little, uh, there was, yeah, I, oh, I don't. It, was, it, it, it happened on Christmas Day last this last year, oh. and... Uh, I know, but he used to sing, and he was wonderful. I don't know if my neighbors thought he was wonderful, but he, when I say sing, I mean scream. Um, but he was a really loud, spontaneous purchase that I absolutely adored, but he unfortunately is no longer with us. So, But he is still outside. I buried him in a little um, a plant outside, which is the same colors, and he's got a little grave and everything. So when my students walk past, they all say, hi, Max. So it's really cute. Okay, all right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, we have time for one more song, and I want to play mm -hmm. the title song. We say the best for last. This is Chasing Dreams. I'm wrong, 
you sing there. <laughs> this song sounds like you are really staying young. That LA's worked its magic on you. I love it. It's the the kind of the capsule of the whole journey of how you can get to somewhere when you think you know you you're wanting to be yourself. It doesn't matter what anyone else is telling you. Just remember your inner child because your inner child is always like happy. And that's like our favorite place to be. So just remember that and be yourself and always continue to smile and have fun and go forward that, with your dreams. That's the L.A. dream, forever young, and, and your music helps us all live that dream. And and uh, I really want to thank you for brightening my day for such wonderful music and with, and with such all. great sentiments. Uh, uh, Laura, before you go, where can people go to stay young with their own copy of Chasing Dreams? Um, well, how about we do this? The first three people to email you will automatically get an album signed. Okay, all right. But what about all the other ones? Is there a place where they can get their uh, own copy? is the best place. It has everything there. All okay. my videos and then all the music, and they can download the music. iTunes, it's everywhere. Uh, um, Spotify, if they have to. Uh, but I, I would go. There's a couple more albums left that are signed, and then they're done. So if anyone wants one of those, they can go get them. Okay, all right. Do you have any live appearances coming up? Um, that 80s band I talked about actually I'm still playing with them and we're in Laughlin uh, at the Tropicana Casino on the the 19th and 20th of October but for my personal stuff I haven't got anything um, coming up at the moment I've been focusing so much on getting the album out and uh, yeah I do a bunch of private gigs but nothing public I save the public ones for like some big shows alright well well, let us know and we will be there Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh so sweet. <laughs> oh, well, we, we really love your music, uh, we, uh, so let, let, let us know. All right, um, Laura Saggers, the album is Chasing Dreams. Uh, follow her at laurasaggers.com. You can uh, download her album from all the usual places. You can stream her album from all the usual places. And the first three people that send me emails, uh, and she's only got a few left, uh, that, that we forward on to her, uh, she'll see to it. They get a free copy. And that's our conversation with Laura Saggers. That was earlier this week. And, again, we ask your your indulgence to the fact that it was not recorded in the studio and so it doesn't have our usual uh, high-quality, sonorous vocal sounds to it. At least my voice didn't. We were able to get a, a very good mic on her. And, uh, as, as you could tell, she sounded very well. We have a guest coming up. But we have to take a quick break before our next guest, so stay tuned for Zach Callison. Don't go away. This is going to be really, really fun.
Cameo Entertainment Group and Cyber Station USA are now part of Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. With Stitcher, you can listen to live programming as well as archive radio programming right on your phone. To obtain Stitcher, just go to the App Store for your particular phone. Go to search, then type in Stitcher. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Then download. It's that simple. Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. Convenient access to live and archive Cyber Station USA programming on your mobile phone. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Cyber Station USA. Always on the go. Yes, you can hear us on Stitcher, and you can hear us on blocktalkradio.com. Of course, you probably listen to us on blocktalkradio.com, and you can also hear us tomorrow if you're in England on the uh, Artistic Echoes Network. Well, we have a saying here in the studio, in the Music Friday Live studio, that poetry is not dead. We just call it lyrics now. Zach Callison has taken that sentiment to Shakespearean levels, his debut EP, which is kind of really the score of a Broadway-quality musical, dominates your mind stage with passion, with anger, with love, with lust, and most of all, with the musical language that burns like a comet. A young man who started performing at seven years old, played in bands and solo, gave voice to Cartoon Network's sophisticated multi-level series, Steven Universe, Zach Callison is flirting with genius while he astounds us. His debut EP, A Picture Perfect Hollywood Heartbreak, has all the earmarks of lasting art, of a powerful new take on what we expect from actors, singers, and drama. He brings his story as fresh as Steven Universe and as powerful as Hamilton, and I doubt that it's going to be his last. So it is a pleasure and an honor to welcome Zach Collison to Music Friday Live. Welcome. Hey, thank you. I, I have to say that is, a, that is a very flattering introduction. Thank you. Well, you know, we've been listening to this EP all week around here, and everybody's just sort of blown away. You know, So uh, as, Henry you. Kissinger, you. as Henry Kissinger used to say, it has the added advantage of being true. Um, and, and, <laughs> right? Uh, that that I is that is such that. a Kissinger quote too, man. Okay, <laughs> I, I should say I, I live in a in a theatrical house. Um, my wife has been in musical theater since she was a kid. She plays a year. In fact, she's in rehearsals for one right now. We have multiple subscriptions to theaters, so I know good theatrical productions, theatrical good theatrical music when I hear it. Um, a picture-perfect Hollywood heartbreak has the power of opera, and it has the pace of Hamilton, and it's got the language, sort of a 21st century poet, Shakespeare. D- did you see the power of what you were creating as you were writing it, or were you just too consumed by the breakup that it chronicles? Um, early in the process, no. Um, it, it, early in the process, it was me just trying to find my own voice and my own style that I didn't have yet and uh, writing songs in my bedroom. Really, it was just a, a, a cathartic tool to to write about that and write about depression and write about mental health things. Um, I didn't intend to uh, make a project or release it uh, until I had finished Phantom Love, and my my parents were like, that's probably the best thing you've written. You, sh- you should really do something with that. And I... I called up a producer I knew just out of the blue, like, hi, I'm back. want to make music. And uh, that's, that's sort of how it came about. It, as it progressed and as we, you know, finished things and then tore them down and added new things uh, and brought in a lot more real instruments towards the end with uh, brass for war and strings for, for curtain call um, and a lot of background vocals, it, it became – a little more apparent how how big of a mix and how cinematic the project was becoming, and uh, that's that's my hallmark of what I'm writing now. I think uh, that that unifies everything, no matter how different songs can sound. That's that's what unifies it. Well, you know, you were you used the word cinematic there, and I agree completely. Uh, if this were to be staged, how do you see it? Mm-hmm. Does, does the does the photo of you with a crown and lines written on your face kind of give us a hint of what your uh, cinematic image is? Definitely. Um, the, the, the writing on the face was a thing that was sort of like a, a one-off idea when we were doing or planning that photo shoot. And I was 
planning what shots I wanted to do with Bodie Helm. And uh, it, it came to be my favorite part of the whole visual side of the project. Um, I, I like the, the thought that, you know, you have this person's name all over the place. It represents obsession. And the more, the more times it's written, the more they're literally on your mind. Um, so that's something we played with, with, with the music video. Um, she don't know. It takes place earlier in the story. So in, in the music video, it's, um, if you look closely, it's written once on my face. Um, on the cover for She Don't Know, there's more writing. And then later on, as we get to the end of the story, it's it's everywhere. It only grows as uh, things take a turn for the worse. And that was a really interesting uh, visual motif for me to, to pursue. So, yeah, I think that our makeup artist would be really, really busy if we if we did stage this. <laughs> And probably a, a costumer, too. Now, you've said that um, the most important thing in your music is that it tells a story. And, and I kind of want to ex- explore the story of these songs, both individually and as a collection, too. So why don't we yeah. listen to the first song? The first song is Phantom Lover. Now, you start off here kind of seductively calm, pulling us into your stage set. And, and later then, in the, you bring us the antagonist, the woman at the heart of the music. And you sing, two halves don't make a whole. That's not a given. Go in twice. You sold two souls of children to the business. Is that the music business, the entertainment business? Does it eat children's souls? Uh, yeah, and the entertainment industry. Um, I grew up in it. I've been a child actor since I was nine, and um, so is so is she. Um, and I, I have to wonder how how that affected our relationship. The the fact that there are eyes on you, and the fact that um, clout and social media numbers and things like that matter to people who are in relationships in young Hollywood. And uh, I, I think that w- without me realizing it for her, I think it set the tone of a lot of our relationships. And um, I think that was unavoidable from the beginning, even if I didn't realize it. But as you said, you started when you were young um, and first time in front of an audience, I believe you were seven and there were 12,000 people in front of you. Uh, you won yeah. awards as, as the best young actor. You gave voice to Steven Universe and to many others. So the business doesn't seem to have eaten you alive or, or looks and sounds deceiving. It's, um, it can be a silent killer, man. I, uh, I, I've managed to you know, stay on the, the straight and narrow with you know, not getting into too much trouble. But um, this album is chronicling me flying a little bit too close to the sun with certain things, with certain unhealthy coping mechanisms. I've certainly had... Uh, many friends and many friends of friends, um, some of which are in the news because they're, they're A-list celebrities, uh, not make it or go to jail or it, it's a rough, it's a rough way to grow up. It really, it skews your expectations of what reality is and what, what the real world is like. And, um, sometimes it's, it's really hard to, to maintain your grip on, on the straight and narrow. And I, I wanted to write something that reflected, my personal experience with that. And I, I have a sense that going forward, my writing might be more focused on the, the wider cultural aspect of that. Cause that, that's a subject that not only fascinates me, but I feel it needs to be discussed more. Cause um, 
it it happens to a lot of people. Well, you know, bringing that up, uh, you worked with and still work with uh, the beloved uh, Rebecca Sugar, um, originator and director mm-hmm. of Steven Universe, who is known for her looking at the cultural zeitgeist. Did, did, has she influenced you any, and has she helped you with uh, your coping mechanism? She has a hundred percent influenced me. Um, I, she was one of the first people I sent the first round of um, Phantom Love to for uh, for notes and uh, and for help with it. Uh, she, as a creator, uh, me and Grace Rolex, who plays Connie on the show, we're the same age. We've talked about this before. Um, we started on the show so young, and being around her and her team and our cast from such a young age was. It, it so monumental in in being surrounded by artists of that caliber who were behind us 100% and supporting us from the beginning. I, I that that's the reason we're so hungry to create things now because we've been watching them do that for years. She just finished her first short film that she's submitting to festivals, uh, which we we worked on together. And she's on the album. Um, I I think that being in that um, that what's the word. Like constant brainstorm environment of the studio for Steven Universe, where um, there's just so many brilliant people around. It, it really it inspired me to want to create things on their level, and and almost like like hey, I'm I'm an adult in the room, like I can make stuff too. If you guys inspire me, and it's it's a really good environment to come up in. Well, obviously it it worked because you some of the songs that you created are definitely on that level and one of them that really shows your skill in that uh and also your rap chops is uh nightmare and i want to i want to play a little bit of nightmare here yeah For quite a while, he won't crack a smile. Prosecutor at his own trial as the floor below him becomes so fertile by his very own vile Nile and exile sourced by the pitter patter of his tears on the bathroom tile. All his friends are dead. <laughs> Hold your dread. Not in the literal sense, he's just incensed by his own dense defense of the friends that pretend to care at his expense until he's dispensed. But that's just his two cents in case he were on the fence. All options exhausted, so he writes poetry like Nostage. Just face it, you lost, kid. Just close the garage door and let your face get exhausted. Like you're playing in bossy, nothing more than your feelings. From your floors to your ceilings and out through your bloodshot ocular faucets. Boy versus brain, white noise versus the same. All his verses the same. Christ for help, exclaim that he's beyond repair. He'll swear, he'll despair, he'll stare. Straight ahead in the mirror at the source of his waking nightmare. That is just absolutely riveting. Uh, and it goes on. Uh, Nightmare is the song that reminds me of Lin-Manuel's rap in Hamilton. So what did you see in your mind when you wrote that? Um, that's, that's heavy, man. Um, I, I didn't see a way out. It, it was, that was in the middle, uh, one of the middle songs that I wrote. Um, it was about 5.30 in the morning. I hadn't slept. Um, I I just I didn't feel like there was a way out. Everything was sort of collapsing in. And at that point, it, it wasn't even so much Juanita and this breakup and lost love anymore. It was about um, – that, sort of, that sort of represented for me pulling the veil from my eyes and showing me what the world really looked like. And I didn't feel like I had a place in it. And um, I contemplated – if I would make it for much longer. And that's, that's where that song comes from. I want to remind our audience that we're talking with Zach Carlson. You can uh, talk with him too. Uh, you can call in uh, 347-215-7511, or you could do what some of you already started doing and that's emailing. So why don't we get to some of these emails, Zach? Um, Benny in yeah. Los Angeles wants to know where can we see you live? Uh, good news on this, actually. In L.A., um, just announced, or ab- I'm about to announce, we're doing a, a stripped-down, really small venue show at Genghis Cohen in uh, here in L.A. on November 10th. That's a Saturday night at 8 p.m. Um, it's, it's a really cool room. 
this small, intimate. I'm gonna have my full band, but we won't be playing with uh, with drums because it's tiny. But we're gonna play all the songs, some new stuff, unreleased stuff. Um, I'm really excited. It's my first LA show since the album release. I love Genghis Khan with with the the pews there. It, it's it's one of my favorite uh, venues, and of course you can have Chinese dinner on the other side of the uh, the restaurant. Um, exactly. Bluster. Not a bad, not a bad choice. <laughs> uh, Bluster in Austin wants to know: Have you ever played the South by Southwest? No, but I would love to. Honestly, um, I'm I'm a music festival freak. I love going to music festivals as an attendee, and my one of my main goals for 2019 is to play at least a few music festivals uh, and get my feet wet with that because that's that's my my community. Uh, whether it's you know rave EDM festivals or hip hop festivals, uh, you know desert type festivals, I'm really into that. Okay, uh, Zolotov in Boston wants to know: Have you ever acted in films, or have you just done voiceovers? Yeah, I actually I came up doing on camera work, and I still do. That's that's why I do voiceover. That voiceover was kind of a, a happy accident on the side. Um, but I'm I've done seven or eight episodes of ABC's The Goldbergs. Uh, I was on a show for Amazon called Just Dead Magic, where I played a villain for a season. Um, I was on NCIS LA, Hannah Montana, way back in the day. I've been I've been doing that for a minute. Okay, um, you know your logo photo, which we talked about earlier with the crown and the lyrics on your face, um, is, is kind of far from the clean cut image that you seems to have been cultivated oh, yeah. for you, or you cultivated a Steven Universe. Do you share both images, uh, a sort of a bipolar public existence? I um, it's that's a tough question because when I'm when I'm representing Stephen or I'm playing Stephen, I'm Stephen, and that's that's the appropriate image to hold for him. Uh, the nice thing about being known for my cartoon work is I get to sort of hide behind the image of a character, and when I'm in that character, it's fully fully that, and you you hear and see that character in your head, and then for me, I'm able to sort of carve out my own destiny on the side. It's just a matter of getting people's attention and showing them like, Hey, I know you know me as this, but it's an easier disconnect to get over. If I, if I was doing a, a show that's on camera and being known for my character on that, I feel like it might be a little bit harder to depart from that. But I think there's a degree of separation that allows me to, to forge my own path. And uh, people have responded really well to that. They, yeah. There's been some photos where, you know, on Instagram where I've, you know, posted me, you know, flipping the bird or something or yeah. uh, like saying, saying hell or something. And people were like, a, a few people will get mad and be like, Oh, Steven. And then a couple of people will be like, Hey, no, he can do whatever he wants. Like let the band live. And it, it's kind of funny because it, it sort of represents what you're talking about, but I understand that there is a duality there and that's, that's just a part of life at the moment. And I don't, I don't put too much, uh, put too much of my time thinking of worrying about it. Okay, all right. You know, there's uh, one of the songs in CP has got some fabulous lyrics in it uh, that kind of speaks to a little bit of uh, the pain that I know others feel uh, in that sort of bipolar universe that they, they have to live in. And that's Curtain Call. I want to play a little bit of Curtain Call here. Yep. Oh, Signore, per amor del tuo nome, perdonami la mia iniquità. Per ciò che è là è grande. Springtime and I still haven't left you behind. I find that I'm anything but Can I contain my rage? 
love that piece. And and there's some lines in it uh, that, and I've said that that all of your your lyrics are poetry, but there's some that just keep going over and over in my mind from that song. Bourbon to kill my pain, curtains to hold my shame. No, they can't look away, cannot contain my rage. Mm. That sounds like the cry of a damaged mind, of a soul being eaten. I don't know what's. Yeah. Where did that come from? Yeah, it's uh, those are some of my favorite, probably favorite chorus lyrics, especially on the whole record. Um, it's it's about the sort of swallowing down your your pain for the cameras for the lights. Um, uh, the, the bourbon specifically, it, it's uh, I just I just like bourbon. <laughs> I, I made it. I made it specific to me so the people who would know me would know that it was me talking specifically. Um, and curtains, you know, it's it's um, it's to represent going on stage and doing interviews and and going out and trying to you know work the world and do your thing and and all the while you're you know you're in the hotel room late at night not doing so well um, wherever it may be. Um, so curtains to hold my shame. No, they can't look away. Cannot contain my rage. Um, the it's it's constantly trying to keep the the rage, the sadness, the 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 volatile emotions in while the cameras are rolling, while people are looking at you. They literally cannot look away because they love what you do, and they they don't they don't see this. And this was before I released the album, so I hadn't opened up about any of this to the audience. And um, that's the main part of why it was so important for me to get out so that people would would hear these things and know. Um, and it's been cathartic for that, for sure. Well, you've pointed out uh, that there are a high number of suicides among young creatives, and, and you're correct. There's a study published yeah. by The Guardian last year that showed that male artists are more than twice as likely as non-creatives to commit suicide, and female artists are four times as likely. So this is a tough business. Um, I've interviewed it's, three uh, suicides and, and ODs are um, a symptom of that as well. I would say you're right, and I've I've interviewed three musicians in the past I think two months who suffered depression and and um, one case uh, suicidal uh, attempts, um, mm-hmm. and they all tell me their music is self therapy. And you mentioned earlier that this cathartic for you has does this EP been any kind of self therapy for you? It definitely uh, took me out of the place where I was in the time that I was writing about. It's very much a time capsule of, I'd say, solidly mostly 2016 for me. Um, and I I sort of wrote my way out of that period. Um, and I, I once I had all the message out and the story out and was getting ready to release, it's like, okay, like I, I beat this beast, I got past it, and then I – I got it out and then I, I sort of collapsed. I didn't realize how much I was exhausting myself. And that's sort of where I'm at right now. Um, I, I, I definitely feel like I'm in a better place because of the album, but I exhausted myself in the process and sort of fell down after the finish line. And I'm, I created a, a different issue for myself. So I'm about to take some, some, uh, some time off actually to um, sort of recharge before I, I go at this thing full force again. Good for you. Good for you. Well, while you're while you're taking time off, we're going to play one more song of yours. This is War. Please do. Did I lose to you, honey? Find it kind of funny. Want to keep this view running, but I'm glad I'm money. Mine seems I can't find cover. Whoa, okay, right. Let's fight the late now for a while. For a while, this is you and not a skate. Now you don't know how to play. Now a little security. Send a reader. I need an apple in my eye and the eye of the storm. A brilliant piece of arranging and a brilliant piece of rapping and the writing. There's a line in there 
So this is war. Isn't that what love is for? Blood and gore. Well, I hope not, <laughs> but I, but those words are <laughs> Shakespearean as far as uh, I'm concerned. Zach, we are out of time um, and we, we got to have you back on because there's just so many great things to talk about and listen to some of the interlude songs, which we didn't touch at all. I mean, uh, but in the meantime, um, I, I really, really enjoyed this. You're, you're one of the, the best interviewers I've ever I've ever talked with. So thank you. I uh, I'm gonna come out with some new music at some point in the near future. So hopefully next time I talk to you, I'll have more to talk about. Well, I'm sure you got plenty to talk about now, and I'm looking forward to this. Um, uh, the most important part of the interview, however, is for you to tell people where they can get the music. Right. So I'm on pretty much every streaming service and store, Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, um, Google Play, basically anywhere you would normally get your music, YouTube as well. Uh, the music video for She Don't Know is up on my YouTube channel. And then you can follow me on social media, just at Zach Callison on everything, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Okay. All right. Well, well Zach – to me, this EP works really well as a coherent whole, and the, the, the individual songs themselves are wonderful standalone, and they're linked by interlude tracks, which makes the whole thing flow so beautifully. I also think that Hollywood Heartbreak is more than just a concept album. Uh, I really do think it's the score of a story about heartbreak, but also about the transformation of a person from one version of themselves to another, and living with both versions. So so this is this. I'm, we're going to be listening to this and, and thinking about this for a long time. And uh, all I can say is congratulations and thank you for, so much for spending the time with us today. Thank you so much for uh, for digging into it and, and getting those little details because that's that's exactly what I had hoped for when I wrote it. Thank you. It means a lot. <laughs> Okay, well, you have been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from Cyberstation USA. That was Zach Collison. Please, please go get the album. It is really remarkable. Listen to it with earphones on in the dark room. Um, you've been listening to us, however, with or without earphones on Cyberstation USA, Blog Talk Radio, and our radio affiliates. If you like our Facebook page and follow our Twitter feed, you'll get real-time updates on our guests. Music Friday Live is produced by Music Friday Live and Fairness Radio, LLC. Our program director is Jason Bartlebin. Our intern used to be Angeline Serrano, but Angeline's got her own radio show now. Yay. Download this and other Music Friday Live programs at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. Check out the Music Friday Live uh, Twitter feed, and you'll get uh, up updates on our guests. But I can tell you right now that Eva and the Vagabonds are going to be here and if we're lucky, next week, a famous producer. So check out our Twitter feeds. Meanwhile, have a great musical weekend. And I'm going to leave you with, because everybody's asking them, getting lots of emails. We're going to leave you with a little bit more of war. Money did I lose to you, honey? Find it kind of funny. Wanna keep the you running, but I'm glad I'm money. Mine seems I can't find cover wolf. Okay, right, let's fight the late now for a while. For a while, this is you and not a skate. I can don't know how to play now. A little cicada, cinderita, one need an apple in my eye. In the eye of the storm, because the bombs will keep us torn. Each and they will keep me warm. To your new boy, that he be warning you. Her new toy for blood and gore. What? You didn't know? So this is war.
more now. Lost up for my heart, I should rouse some more now. Busting up the charts, should I take cards? Some more, it's time to fall apart in the core. Wow! It's cause it's loud like thunder clouds. So we need for underground to see the sound of music. Your music, your music. The EU's is war music. Then my delicate, no more. I can pull some more music. Then you just use, use it or lose it. Special is a weapon, I just choose to abuse.